You are listening to The Shared Experience, the official podcast of The Ability Experience. I'm your host, Zorth Bilanieta. Thanks for joining us. Today we have Ryan Thibodeau of Pi Alpha. A warm welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Zorth. Glad to be here. Ryan, where are you calling us from? I am in Breckenridge, but not the beautiful mountain-scaped Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm in Breckenridge, Texas, which is um, about 100 miles west of Fort Worth. And how did you get there? I started in Lubbock. I rode south out of Lubbock, uh, and then I took uh, an easterly direction on Highway 180, which runs parallel to I-20. And uh, through some farmland, through some ranch land, and I've been just kind of uh, riding through these little Texas towns for the last couple of days. I think I'm, I'm definitely on day three today. Day three of this journey that you created for yourself. What yes. you to want to bike? You're biking by yourself or do you have support? No, I'm by myself right now. I, um, uh, to go back a little bit, uh, I, I spent a week on the road in California a couple of weeks ago. Um, I went out there and um, in, in um, kind of conjunction with uh, Ability Experiences Virtual Week, I launched uh, an actual ride on some of the routes of Journey Hope South Team. And I spent uh, a, around a week out there riding the coast and then riding across California. And then I went home uh, for about a week and a half just to uh, get life back in order a little bit. And then when I saw that we still had a little more time before life was going to resume, then I said, well, let's go back and get some more miles. So then uh, earlier this week, I flew into uh, Fort Worth, picked up a rental car, drove to uh, Lubbock, Texas, dropped off the rental car, and I've been on my bike for the past three days. That's awesome. So you feel like in a sense reliving, was it 1996 you did North Route? It was 96. I was North. And, uh, and, and a little interesting aside to my story is that I'm a general dentist. I, I, I started dental school in 1996 and the dental school wouldn't allow me play my start. Um, and so it, it, the start of dental school overlapped with the end of the journey of hope by two and a half weeks. So I left uh, uh, Journey Hope in Chicago. I left my team and went back to New Orleans uh, for about two weeks. And then I came back out and rode the last uh, day and a half with the team into D.C. Um, that was all in 1996. And then in the years after 96, I would pick up with a, a one or two of my team members and we would make up Miss Miles. Um, usually with minimal support or at the time it was my girlfriend would come out and support us on the route uh the main uh, orchestrator of everything was a guy by the name of john powers who worked for push america for a number of years uh he uh was a crew member in 95 he rode with me in 96 became a really good friend uh 97 he led a team across um for the journey of hope and then in 2001 he stood in my wedding as the best man that's amazing. That's great yeah. the connections you make on these type of adventures and Yeah, it really is. And it's lifelong connections. And uh, you know, I found a brotherhood and a camaraderie that um not to, to say it was lacking in my chapter. I had a you know a great chapter. I graduated from LSU in Baton Rouge and I was a founding father and we weren't um you know, we were good size, but we weren't, you know, overly large. So we were connected. We had been through the, uh, through the uh, charter, the recharter together. We were a close group, but it, you know, it was an, 
entirely different level of brotherhood after you know spending some miles on the road in the middle of you know these little towns across the United States doing service and just pedaling a lot of miles and those those relationships have stayed close over the years. Yeah, and it's kind of nice that you're reliving a sense of path of that experience and you're kind of doing it on the south route. My understanding is you went through Southern California. Sure, uh, I started uh, South Route uh, started uh, for 2020 was was uh, planted Barbara and then rides south in 2000 Oaks. Well, just one of my childhood buddies who cycled an avid cyclist. He, yeah, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's get on the road and ride some." So, uh, so he joined me for that day, and then the next day we rode uh, the coast through Malibu into uh, Venice Beach area. At the time. Um, uh, all the beaches were closed except for surfing. So we rode two days along the coast of California to absolutely beautiful uh, vacant beaches except for an occasional group of surfers out on the water. And, um, and then we picked up an RV in LA and then over the next four days we, um, we rode. Uh, he left me after a couple of days. He had to go back to work. And I rode, uh, supported by my family, across to uh, Riverside, the Palm Springs, 29 Palms, and to the Arizona border. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good time. Beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, it's right out by um, Joshua Tree National Park. And uh, Joshua Tree National Park was closed at the time, so there was very little vehicular traffic on the road heading that way. Um, so really peaceful, long stretches. Uh, desert, you know, it was hot, uh, but uh, really nice riding out there. That must be a surreal experience. I biked Journey of Hope 2011 and have since uh, 2017 and 18 have been a coach. Um, so I've been part of those routes in the early starts. And I can't, I can't even just imagine just no traffic and just you're in sense silence with the desert. Right. Yeah, it was... Uh, you know, we rode those first two days from Santa Barbara, Thousand Oaks. Um, as you're riding through that area, you're riding along the coast, and then you head in a little bit just north of the town called Oxnard, and then you're riding through an agricultural area that is um, uh, primarily citrus. So on both sides of the road, as far as you can see, lemon, lime, uh, trees. Interestingly, they don't smell. You're riding through millions of trees on both sides of the roads and no smell of citrus whatsoever. Uh, I guess until they're harvested, maybe they don't produce those oils or something. I haven't researched that to figure that out. But, um, but yeah, a lot of solitude out on the road. And then um, just a, like I said, along the coast, uh, parts of that coast where you would normally see you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people enjoying the, the water and the coast and to see it uh, completely desolate. Um, was was really something else, and um, so um, day three or four, we were heading into Palm Springs, and I'd done some research, and I knew that uh, everything was placed in Palm Springs. But again, we had a small RV, and we had everything we needed. So I told my wife, I said, "Look, just drive into town." She's with my two teenage kids, and I said, "Drive into town, and y'all find a really fancy resort, and I'll meet y'all there." You know, <laughs> so they drive into town. They're you know a couple hours ahead of me, and then they called. They, they attempted to call me to tell me that. Uh, that uh, uh, that everything was closed, but uh, that was a time when I was getting through Riverside into Palm Springs, and there were a lot of turns initially that I had to take on these back roads. So I had navigation on, and it just consumed my battery in the first two thirds oh, no. of the day. So at the end of the day, they're trying to reach out to me and say, "Look, Dad, there's nothing in Palm Springs whatsoever. Everything's closed." 
Um, so eventually I made it to an open 7-Eleven and I walked in and I had a mask on because of COVID. And I said, would you mind charging my phone or pointing me towards the side? So he charged my phone for a couple of minutes and I called them and, and um, we laughed at each other over the phone saying, I can't believe we're here in this fancy place and everything is closed. Uh, and we ended up just spending the night in the RV, you know, on the side of the road somewhere. It was a good time. We laugh about it still. Yeah, that's pretty memorable. That's, that's an exciting experience that, you know, not everyone's going to really have. Yeah, we had, uh, when, and, and they knew, um, Linda's been with me for a lot of trips and a, a lot of adventures on the road, and she supported us over the years, and uh, she's really good at it. She's done it even in Europe. Uh, we've been out and, and rid, ridden some on the Tour de France route, or the Tour de France in 2005, and um, so she's done this a lot. Well, when she came, I can't remember the name. There's a little valley that you come through just as you start to descend into Palm Springs. And it's um, just absolutely filled with these wind turbines, these energy turbines. Um, and the wind gusting through that section of roadway was, it was so intense that I was just laughing out loud because it was a tailwind. And then as I'm riding, I see up ahead that the road that I'm on was going to make a hard right turn. And, and at, we were getting close, or I was getting close to this kind of, it wasn't a mountainside, but there was this cliff. And I just knew the wind was going to be roaring through there. So as I make this turn, I literally have to unclip my downwind leg to ha like hang it off the side of the bike as a counterbalance because the wind would, it must have been 30 miles an hour or more. And it was just constant blowing straight across the roadway. And, uh, and I'm, of course, I'm pitched into it. I'm leaned into it and just laughing the whole time. So when they knew I was in, on the road and they had driven through those conditions in an RV and experienced the same wind, they were, you know, a little nervous. So they came back looking for me and found me at the 7-Eleven right up the road. So it was definitely an adventure. Classic crew, always looking out for your well-being. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and then we uh, and we left that next day. We're, we're going through the desert. And, and as I mentioned, my, my, uh, my two team, uh, they were still finishing school. So I said, look, I'll get up really early. I'll leave. I'll get on the road. It's going to be a hot day. You guys stay in town. Try to find Wi-Fi at like a local coffee shop or something. Let the kids log in and do their homework, which they ended up finding. The Starbucks in Palm Springs opened that day. They had celebrated by bringing an acoustic guitarist to play in the courtyard. And so Linda basically parks the RV outside of that Starbucks, goes by the kids' breakfast, and then they log on to the Wi-Fi there. Um, so I'm out riding the road uh, all morning, get to 29 Palms. Uh, they meet me in 29 Palms and, and they said, are you done? And I was like, well, no, I'm not done. We're going to continue riding. Um, so, all right, all right, all right. And this was the kid. This was the So then I said, look, go 15 miles up. I'll meet you 15 miles up and pull over the side of the road. Well, 15 miles up, desert riding. I pull up to the side of the road. Linda's napping in the front seat. My daughter's napping in the back seat. My son's like playing a video game. And I was like, where's my crew? Y'all are supposed to be playing music. Y'all are supposed to have like cold water bottles ready. You know, and I'm joking with them and laughing. And, and they're like, are you done yet? And I'm like, no, I'm not that. Maybe 15 miles. You know, so we did this 15 mile thing down the road. And, uh, and, and I just made fun of my crew for the rest of the day because, the, you know, teenagers have a little less tolerance for my adventures the older I get, you know. <laughs> Until they get yeah. to the point where they'll start actually understanding it and maybe they'll be joining you one of these rounds. 
Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, they find fun in it and, and being in new places. And um, they've been on a couple of little trips where they've kind of supported it in a way. Um, there's one funny trip. It really has nothing to do with the journey, I hope. But uh, one year uh, I, when my kids were, were toddlers, I decided I wanted to ride the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and we, um, where were we? We were in North Carolina. Um, Gosh, I can't remember where we were, but we had specifically picked a place where uh, the hotel was very close to the parkway. And I told her, um, Linda, I said, look, I'm just going to get up early in the morning. I'll get my own breakfast. Uh, I'm going to ride all, you know, all morning into the early part of the afternoon. Just meet me around lunch uh, with the kids. Uh, Y'all stay in town, find something fun, go to the children's museum. They were maybe like three or four or something like that. And, um, and I got out on the parkway, and it, it was it was pretty uh, a lot of climbing going on that day, but beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. And um, slowly, you know, at this time I wasn't carrying a backpack like I am now, so you know you run out of water, and then there's not a lot in, on the parkway. There's not a lot of commercial access, so you have to either get off the parkway or figure out a way to get you, you know, some water, food and such. Then I ran out of food and I'm like, okay, well, they're going to catch up to me. Uh, you know, like 12 o'clock, it's almost lunch, they'll be catching up soon. And then um, 12.30 comes and their family, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting, you know, and this is before iPhones or smartphones. So I just keep riding. I didn't have any other real option. We hadn't picked another destination to meet. So, uh, and by now I'm famished. And all of a sudden I hear like a honking of my minivans. And the windows are rolled down and the kids are cheering, they're clapping, they're yelling out the window and Linda's smiling and they pull off to the side of the road and she can see that I've had had a long day of climbing. And I said, baby, would you bring for lunch? And she was like, what do you mean lunch? (laughs) And I was like, did you not bring any food up here? And we're up in in the mountains, there's nothing around, you know, I was like, are you kidding, right? And she's like, no, I mean, I have some like Cheetos or some Cheez-Its or something. And I was like, well, I'll take what you have, but we need to find some food. And I didn't talk to her for about another 10 minutes, but thankfully there was a lodge right up the road that neither of us knew about. And, uh, and we sat down and had lunch and laughed about it after that. But she came all that way and didn't bring any food, any water, anything for It's funny because they, they probably had no idea about it. And we're so familiar with the two meat, one cheese sandwiches, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. I know, I know. I still think about those days, and, and she says, "You know, what did y'all eat?" And I was like, "Yeah, you, you know, no, we were so hungry, we would eat anything, you know, really anything." Man, it's changed a lot since '96 too. I mean, now they're spoiled, and we get really, really wonderful sponsors and just a lot of donors, and they eat really well on the road now. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, great ones today and lots of cold water that's been the biggest challenge actually the biggest challenge is uh keeping the water cold yeah because you, you just can't you know you're riding out on the road and you pick it you stock up water you know and gas stations and such and then you ride for you know a couple of hours and the water just gets where it's just really warm i mean it's that's the hardest thing keeping water cold yeah because you're also self-providing for yourself so it's not like you can bring iced coolers and just let it thaw out throughout the day Right, right. The only thing I carry is a backpack, a uh, single change of clothes, a pair of flip-flops, um, a journal, uh, enough food to get me through the day, and a lot of water, you know, four bottles of water on there. That's about it. 
that makes for a very quick wake up and go. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it, uh, yeah, you don't have a lot of planning up and, and, and what else. And I've been staying in little motels along the way, and, uh, right on the, right on the highway. So, uh, get up, have a cup of coffee, you know, to a bar or something like that and get going. Have you picked a jam for your wake up tunes? Today I had, I started with the Eagles, the Spotify shuffle of the Eagles. And then right before lunch, I was listening to Kanye because I needed something to, to carry <laughs> me into lunch. So I had to revert to hip hop and something a little more upbeat to get me in. Um, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. I listen to, I have a book on tape that I'm listening to right now called Mastery, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, I listen to that about 45 minutes to an hour at a time, you know. Yeah, and then sometimes I just turn everything off and just talk to the cows on the side of the road or uh, lots of birds. You know, I was laughing to myself. I said that the thing that I was going to put in my journal today is the list of the animals that you can startle on the bike and the ones that you can't, right? So uh, you recall, you're riding down the road and there's a farm a half mile up the road and the dog's already barking at you, you know? I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yet, if you see, I haven't seen any cats, but I know in my hometown I ride a small cat. And cats, you can just ride right up to and startle. Um, yet, or the first day, it was um, the uh, jackrabbits would hear me uh, right around the Lubbock airport. There's a lot of huge jackrabbits. Um, and they would hear me and start running from a quarter mile away. And I could see them running across this prairie, these massive jackrabbits. But the... Um, uh, prairie dogs would not hear me until I was right on top of them. And then it was like this panic of barking and, and turning and uh, running in the holes. Um, what was the other one that I startled up? Lizards, for some reason. You know, a lizard sitting on the side of the road and you ride by, completely startle it. Um, and then cows. Cows are interesting to me because either they're not interested or they're so um, into chewing their cud that until you say something, they don't look up at you. But once you look up at them, um, then they, they kind of stare you down a little bit. Did you give them the classic moo from the bike? No. You know what I was doing this morning? So I've, I've been working through the last couple of years through transitioning away from red meat. And um, so I was, I was like professing to them. And I was like, fellas, you know, I was desperate this morning. Uh, actually, it was the ladies because I saw one bull and just a, a bunch of female cows out there. And uh, I was like, look, I, I was desperate this morning. I had a bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, technically, it was pork. I'm sorry. I won't have any beef tonight. You know, and, and <laughs> they're just looking at you anyway, you know. So I'm just kind of um, disclosing my preferences and, and, and food choices to them and hoping to win a little bit of love and support from them along the way. Kind of some of the things you do when you're kind of going a little crazy on the by yourself. You start learning a lot about yourself and trying to push the envelope. Yeah, and I really enjoy that. You know, I, I truly enjoy um, the clarity that comes um, from getting past that breaking point where, you know, you want to quit and you don't think you quite have it. And, you know, you're feeling out of gas and you just either want to get into a bike or do some distance running at home and you're just ready to give in. And then um, there was a Kanye song I was listening to today and it was, uh, keep, it was like, keep moving forward, keep going forward. Um, and that's, 
honestly the mantra that I say to my head on my distance run, there's days when I just feel terrible. And I know that if I just keep moving forward and take the next step, then there will be an enlightenment or just a, a clarity that comes um, through that, you know, continued motion and definitely uh, depend on some of those moments for that, you know. That's awesome. All this effort and all this commitment, what was, what kind of drove you to want to do this? What was the initial spark? Um, you know, when I, when I got the news that the journey of hope had canceled, um, for 2020, I, I'm on a group me chat with, uh, five of my closest, uh, JOH buddies. And, uh, you know, we've attended each other's weddings and, and been to, um, support each other's kids growing up and, and vacationed each other. In fact, last summer, we, not, not this past summer, but the summer before we all vacationed together. Um, you know, it was last summer. And, um, you know, I, I reached out to them and, and I just said, guys, I'm, I'm having, I'm having to struggle or, uh, you know, problem with the, the cancellation. I completely understand it. I'm not upset. I'm not angry. Um, you know, logistically, it, it, I, I get it, you know, but at the same time, the idea that a ride that has been so sustaining and, and, and it's really turned into pilgrimage for a lot of people. And um, to think that, uh, you know, after, you know, 30 plus years, the pilgrimage would take a year off was, was it was just unsettling to me is I guess the word. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to ride as many of the legs as I can. Um, you know, and, and if somebody wants to come out and join me, uh, it, I think it's awesome. Um, if someone um, just wants to send words of support, uh, that's great. Um, it, it's, I didn't do it with the intent to raise a whole bunch of money. Um, I really just did it as an, an intention to carry on uh, that pilgrimage and um, just to be grateful for the ability to still get on the bike after all these years and you know, turn 46, you know, next week and um, to still be out riding a bike long distances and to still have such fond memories and such fond relationships regarding the journey of hope and, um, and to see a, a continuance of, of what Ability Experience is still able to do in their mission um, of service and bringing guys together in a brotherhood. It, it just means a lot to me and it means a lot to the guys that, that I keep in touch with and and I, it's kind of my way of just paying homage to, um, you know, an experience that truly uh, defined and shaped the trajectory in my life, uh, a life where I've been able to do some service and um, just kind of uh, give back as much as I can. So that's kind of where it came from. That's amazing. I mean, you saw this. I don't know if you were aware of the success from this recent uh, virtual Gear Up Florida. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. It, it was great. I, you know, I'm not a tech guy. In fact, even the fact that I sit here on my phone, my kids laugh at me because um, I just I don't do tech very well. And um, uh, it, it, so even the idea of hooking up a trainer and being on a, a, a virtual run, it didn't make it doesn't make sense to me. And like trying to wrap my brain around it, I said, I'm just going to go ride my bike, you know, and I'll be safe about it. And, um, I, I, but I think it's just amazing that, you know, they were able to get so much support and so many guys together and then the energy of it, because it's really about the passion behind the event, right? And, and um, what happens when you get some people together on a, on a mission and um, you do something truly meaningful and you dedicate your time and your energy and your mindset to it and, and the rewards that come on the back end, like you, you can't pay for that, you know, it's like, 
Uh, it's a lifelong uh, memory that just sits with you, you know? Yeah, and it's just slightly different. It's still a whole big crucial part to what you would have gotten anyways. And it's all about the brotherhood and the bonds and, you know, the interactions you have along the trip. They're going to be continuing sure. that type of legacy going into the journey of hope. And in addition to that, since ride-alongs aren't going to be really a thing, they're going to be doing kind of a virtual ride-along challenge in the brief moments where even volunteer members, the same way that you would do a ride-along outside of the fraternity even, could come and help complete the miles and raise money and awareness. So it's funny, just everything got to be so quick to adapt and it's still a successful summer. Yeah, I think it's just amazing. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a testament to the organization and to the leadership and, and just staying true to the mission. Um, you know, seeing what it brings out in guys and, and just watching it evolve. I mean, you've talked about the differences between even the you know, Journey Hope support on the road from 96 when I did it to, you know, latter years. And um, almost about two years ago, uh, my wife and I and my family um, supported a Gear Up Florida team as they came to New Orleans on rest day. And we just had them over for breakfast, you know. And it, it was neat because even though you can tell their experience was slightly different, you know, they arrived in these uh, tricked out vans with logos and such. And, <laughs> and got out and um, uh, you could still see the sparkle and the um, the uh, sense of adventure in their eyes for what they were going to take on that summer and uh, it, you know it was inspiring to see and it's inspiring to see guys get on their trainers and, and ride miles as a group uh, from their house and, and um, just to see that kind of commitment it's just uh, it's contagious you know it's, it's exciting. It truly is. We're going to be posting a link at it so that people can follow. And same thing with, you know, the ability experiences. If you were to follow us through other social media outputs, you'll be like kind of up with the news with everything going on. Even the website will have everything updated. Nice. Nice. So where are you headed next? Uh, tomorrow's a really long day. Uh, Linda flies into Fort Worth tonight. She stays at John Power's house in Fort Worth. Um, she's going to pick up, or she has my car, so she'll grab my car. And uh, she's actually bringing John out. So I'll start around uh, 6 a.m. or as soon as it's safe enough to be on the road. With, I have some lights and such. And uh, try to get an early start tomorrow because of the heat. And then uh, I'd imagine... Um, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 miles in, um, she'll meet up with me and John and he'll uh, get on his bike, hop on and ride in Fort Worth where he lives. And hopefully I'll find a bike shop for this real wheel because <laughs> otherwise it's, it's going to be a long next couple of days. I'm riding through Sunday, so I have three more days to knock out some more miles. Then Dallas and then um, to the Louisville. Louisiana guy I was born and raised in New Orleans um, and to think that uh, you know to, to be able to say that I've ridden um, through Texas uh, to the Louisiana border would be a nice way to finish that's a lot of miles and um, I'm certainly going to try I, I think if I can get this back wheel taken care of and it's possible we'll see plus I'll have support right so I'll be able to drop the backpack uh, I'll, I won't have to carry as much water uh, I've been averaging right at 15 I've been posting um uh, my rods on Strava, um, which I don't usually use, but I knew it was a good way to track kind of the distance and the location and all that stuff. So I've been posting those and, and I've been averaging right around 15 or so um, uh, 
so I'm hoping once I drop the gear midday tomorrow and maybe get that back wheel taken care of that I can dial that up a little bit and um, maybe check off some more miles before I head back home on Monday. That's very exciting. You must be, I mean, it's going to be like a mini arrival for you to cross your own border. Oh, that would be. Yeah, if we, it, but there'll be no one there, right? It's just my <laughs> wife, like on the side of the road, just smiling, clapping, which is a good enough arrival for me. And we'll have fun tomorrow. Um, John lives in, in Fort Worth. He has three young toddlers. Um, they kind of gave me well wishes when I left. They knew um, that I was going on a, on a bike ride. Uh, they're six, four, and three. So they were excited to see jerseys and, and my bike. And they wanted to come ride with me because I've ridden with them on their bikes before and um i said well it's a little bit longer but when you when you get a little older you can come on a bike ride with me so uh, i think his um his family's going to be somewhere on the route tomorrow so that'll be a, a bit of an arrival for us um yeah and then just riding out the next couple of days and see how many more miles we get done Awesome. And then um, I'll head home for a couple of weeks. Uh, I have to open my dental practice and get things going again. And then sometime this summer, I'll, I'll pop back up into North Louisiana, uh, ride a couple of days uh, across North Louisiana, and then pick up the days across Mississippi, which I have ridden a lot of miles in Mississippi, and then um, hopefully to the Alabama border or so. Uh, Basil suggested that he might ride some days later in the summer to wind things up in, in uh, North Carolina and uh, around Greensboro. And two of my um, good uh, closest high alpha brothers, uh, Jeff Tucker lives in Farmington, which is right outside of Winston-Salem in that area. And then uh, Mike Whaley, uh, both guys are uh, NC State grads. Uh, he lives in Greensboro. So I don't think I'll get them on a bicycle, but I think they'll probably come out and laugh at me. Throw, throw some ice or something or whatever else that be along the way. Um, but that'll be a good chance to kind of wind up the summer uh, by getting in some more miles in North Carolina. So. Well, yeah. Well, we all wish you the best in finishing this journey. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. I put an occasional post up on uh, on the I Am Pi Alpha Facebook page, and then um, I'll usually Instagram a photo or something like that. Again, I'm not super tech savvy, so just trying to keep people a little bit up to date as to where I am. Awesome. I'll be sure to follow you and, and include your Strava as well. Awesome. Awesome. But thanks for cool. being here with us and, and taking time out of your bike ride to call in and have this conversation. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I just want to encourage all the rest of the Pi Alphas this summer and, and uh, JOHers just to, uh, to stay engaged, stay involved, um, you know, reconnect with their Pi Alpha brothers, uh, follow along. Uh, you know, it's just, it's good to see um, that's, that an organization and an event that impacted my life in such a deep way is still doing great work all the years later and has just really impacted, uh, you know, really a generation of guys after me. You know, and, uh, it's just real neat to see. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly why I'm still participating. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So much, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right. Good talking to you. Take care. Thank you all for listening today. Please stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to connect our listeners with great stories from even greater human beings. On behalf of the Ability Experience, I'm Zorth, and this has been an episode of the Shared Experience.